0: The 23rd Psalm has been a source of assurance and comfort for saints and sages and others throughout the centuries. A Psalm traditionally associated with King David when he was a shepherd boy carries in it enormous promises. It begins, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want a preposterous enough claim. It continues, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for thou art with me and it climaxes with the words surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life these are wonderful assurances the psalm of course speaks of god as shepherd he leads me in green pastures he makes me lie down by quiet waters he restores my soul he leads me in the paths of righteousness or on the right path but it also speaks of god as host god prepares a table before me anoints my head with oil my cup overflows these are words that lift the human spirit the trouble is that they are also challenging words for whom Are they true? Whose life is surrounded by goodness and mercy every day? I know many people who can claim otherwise. In fact, if the truth be told, entire races and classes of people, many of whom claim this psalm as their own, seem to be surrounded by everything but goodness and mercy, at least not in the way they see it, or in the way that is clear to others? The challenge is, how does this promise that surely goodness and mercy will follow me square with the lived reality of the people? Is this psalm, as some are suggesting, another way of privileging the privileged classes, those with nature's passport? Is it something that we tell ourselves that has no bearing on our lived experience? In what way do the words of Psalm 23 offer a pathway and a perspective to navigate the shadow side of life? Is the Psalmist aware of the pernicious face of evil? Is he aware of the ways in which ours are lives full of deficits, not just in matters of creature comfort, but more so in the means of subsistence and survival and the ways in which the dignity of many is trampled upon. In response to which we say the following. These words are part of the meditation of many Psalms. They express a view of life and reality, a way to look at things. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, says one Psalm, blessed is the person who trust in the Lord. The psalmist sets out to limit his reference. He is speaking to and about the persons for whom the Lord is shepherd and host. He is speaking to those who are determined to live in the presence of God forever. It is they who can claim, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It is they who can say, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving and abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. And praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Or to say that I am confident that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So how is it? that the psalmist can hymn the goodness of the lord in the land of the living in the midst of the live reality of the people is it not a rosy tinted spectacle that is in some bubble or shall we dismiss the psalm as mere happy talk is it rather a rather it is rather a description of the outcome of a life of faith in god and It is therefore a worldview, a perspective on life itself. Allow me to say two things about this claim by the Psalmist. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The first thing is that the claim is a defiant claim. It is a claim to be made in the midst of life's lived reality and it is a claim to be made, despite what life says to the contrary, by the experiences life throws our way. This claim is a comment about the arc and the broad sweep of life and history. It is a comment that good outlasts evil and that in the broad arc of history, The tyrants and despots and wicked meet their untimely demise. They fail and they fall. It is not a comment on your consumption habits, but on the meaning and the meaningful outcomes to which your life propels you. Paul in the New Testament book of Romans writes, For we know that God works in all things for good of those who love God, and are called according to God's purposes. The good that comes to our lives in the jagged experience of life is the doing of the sovereign grace and goodness of God. It is not a chance outcome. With the eyes of faith, you can make sense of what God is doing. And if you take time to note and to remember and to give thanks, You will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Joseph was badly mistreated by his brothers, all 10 of his older brothers. They picked on him, ganged up upon him, sold him as a slave. And when he got to Egypt, a woman wanted to treat him as a gigolo. When he protested and protected his dignity, she told a lie on him and he was arrested. From jail, he became prime minister, a path followed by Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King Jr. from a Birmingham jail to become a national icon. And when at last Joseph's brothers came cup in hand and finally discovered that it was Joseph after all, they expected a dose of vengeance to embitter them as they had embittered him. But Joseph said, do not be afraid. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Sometimes we do not see the goodness that God has made because we are not patient enough. Sometimes we are not grateful enough. Sometimes we are focused on the wrong things and on the wrong people. But we must know that God is always working on a good outcome for us and in our lives. Sometimes the goodness we want is not the good that is not good at all, or at least not good for us. Take our kind, Black people who can't breathe because the boot of power is resting on our necks. Our history has been littered with pain and justice denied, and yet our kind has given the world Negro spirituals In fact, the spirituals and the blues, jazz and reggae, dancehall and hip-hop, the music that has made the world sing and dance, have come from the people who can't breathe. So also the great sports icons, and there is much more, the intellects, the statesmen and women are the goodness we do not see. It is not the reason to stop struggling, it is a reminder to keep going. I watched this week a 1970s video of Bob Marley performing the words first spoken by Haile Selassie in 1930 when he spoke to the League of Nations, until the philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior is finally and totally abolished and abandoned. Everywhere is war. Bob Marley died 39 years ago. And yet the concert may have been given last week. So poignant and relevant were the lyrics and the rhythm. Do not merely watch the cruelty of others and the misery they make us feel. Look at the resilience of our people and the overcoming grace. Look at the beauty and overachievement of our children. Look at how our people, continue to rise from the ashes like the Sphinx and say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The second thing that I want to say about the word, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, is that they are a rational assessment of God and history. If you are a Bible reader, One of the ways to study the Bible is to look at the pairings of word and study where else they occur. And usually the passages that include the pairings help you to clarify the meaning of the passage you are studying. And if you did such a pairing, you would notice that words goodness and mercy and wherever else they occur. There are quite a few places in the Bible. But the one I want to point to is in Exodus 33 and 34. This is the context of Moses, the liberator, who had led the people out of captivity in Egypt through the Red Sea. And he was now in the wilderness near Sinai, where the commandments have been given. Moses had been given a lesson about how difficult it is to lead people politically. He was in the mountain and he was remonstrating with God because he wants God to give him a vision of God's self on which he could rely for the project of leading God's people. He said, show me your glory. Give me a proper picture. And God says to him, it is something you cannot handle. No man can see God's face and live. All of life cannot contain a comprehensive vision of God. But God offers a compromise. God hides Moses in a cave and passes before him and allows Moses to see the backside of God. And what Moses saw is God's goodness and God's mercy. This is the essence of God. God is not God because God is powerful. Sure enough, God is all powerful. God is not God because God is holy. Sure enough, God is of holy eyes. God is God because God is good, and God is merciful. That is what defy is def- that God is defined by. So if evil appears to prevail, it is because you are not seeing the full picture. God is right there, and the psalmist declares, "You lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name'sake, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil." For you are with me, your rod and staff will comfort me. Your spirit and your grace and your word will comfort me. Surely goodness will follow me. Peter Tosh, a youth from Westmoreland, who met an untimely demise and a violent death, famously sings Jai's My Keeper from Psalm 27. The rest of the Psalm says, though an army beseech me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me on a high, set me high upon a rock. Goodness is not a passive concept. It is not just something you wait for. It is something you do and something you make happen. It is time to fight back with an army of goodness. Two men, and only two men, are called good in the Bible. One is by reference and the other in the text itself. One is the good Samaritan and the other is a man named Barnabas. Both are known by the chances they took on people. The Samaritan took a chance, took up the man fallen among thieves and left for dead by the roadside. And Barnabas took a chance on Saul, named paul and on john Mark, who became the writer of the first gospel and the lesson is this if we believe that surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life let us go out and take a chance on people amen
1: danny good morning Happy Father's Day to you. Thank you for your message on the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I thank you for wrestling with and attempting to help us to make sense of what doesn't seem to make sense in the world and in the lives of many of those that suffer and struggle and seem to live lives of futility. I think he did a really beautiful reflection on the 23rd Psalm and as usual did such a, a brilliant job of pulling in the culture of the Jamaican people and how that has managed to impact the world and to change the world and the Jamaican people but also people of African descent who have throughout their history been so despised and, and hurt and harmed and so on. I take strongly and, and, and I'm and I'm taken by it, the claim that you make that this is not a high mind a high minded sort of psalm, it's not necessarily a psalm of the victors and so on, but it's a psalm of defiance, that there's a there's a defiant claim in the lord is my shepherd i shall not want and that i will walk forever in the land of the living um are our claims of defiance as opposed to claims of what is but there's a there's a there's a hint of defiance there and that's that's a perspective i've never um heard or contemplated before that one can read that in a in a defiant way that despite what lies says to the contrary um good can and does outlast evil and that tyrants will and do fall and they're going to fail and I, I, of course you know that that niggles me because i don't believe that that is the fullness of our experience of reality I believe there's an element of the futile that we still need to wrestle with I think there's an element of a very strong element for both both futility and failure in the land of the living that claims of defiance claims of goodness outlasting uh, what is evil and um, the claim to And again all of these I'm very taken with the claim that um goodness good the good is not a chance occurrence but um it's a way of us acting and making sense of what god does and and working alongside and in tune with what god does but i still uh, i'm wrestling with the depths of my my fear and my hurt and my experience of futility and failure in this land of the living and that uh, that experience sort of belies any kind of claim to defiance or claim to the fullness of goodness in our experience in the land of the living even as it is both also a call to us to act towards bringing about the good which god or the intangible desires you know um and 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 not to be called to act in any kind of passive way, but it's a, it's a call to arms and a call to action. I don't know. May, may, part of, part of, part. Of, I guess it it may seem to undermine your larger claim of divine mercy and goodness, which there are many people who will rail against that understanding or that claim of divine mercy and goodness because that's not what they have experienced and it's not about looking and seeing simply what God is doing and that God can bring good out of evil in spite of, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think my, my firm thing is getting to a point of being able to say that we don't know fully and can't make full claims about this divine mercy or goodness apart from saying perhaps using the eyes of faith that you call upon us to uh, see through over and over and over again that we make these claims and we we make these assertions about our belief in this intangible and we hope that our interpretations of um, goodness and what that means in our expectation of god but i believe that my humanity limits what i'm able to claim to believe in about this good and merciful god because my life and the life of so many others around me do not cannot perhaps display fully because there is so much futility and failure in the human experience and the human experiment the experience of being in this land of the living and so i pause i pause even as i look with the eyes of faith don't know if that makes sense but i know you will speak to me bless you have a great week
0: anna thank you very much for always you know just this kind of engagement with the ideas so here's my, the, what I'm positing. So life has the absurd and the mysterious. You, you call the absurd the futility, right? And, and let me call the, the, the uh, mysterious, the possible. The possible that's not obvious. It's at once possible and intangible. Or invisible. Now, what I'm arguing is that without faith, all of life is absurdity and futility. What faith helps a person to do in the darkest dungeon, in the most intense misery, with the the Bestial face of power, vaunting stuff, is faith gives you an alternative vision of that reality to see something else. Faith gives you a capacity to be patient, and faith gives you the capacity to be grateful because. One thing faith convinces you of is that that imposing on the face of it indomitable and invincible force is not all there is. There is something and someone else that embodies mercy and goodness in honor of himself or in God's self. Bring, bring. So it is that perspective. So if nothing changes, it is either absurd or mysterious, it is either futile or it is possible. What changes is what faith does to you and with the armament of faith you can then act not on the side of bitterness or vengefulness or nihilism but on the side of people and to forge a pathway to walk through the valley of the shadow of death looking ahead and that's what creates the future so that is my contention so the the surely goodness and mercy shall follow me helps me to get up today with no resources and no real option and make a way because i believe that the universe is there for my taking that god is there that god has given that god has promised that god is with me that god is acting and i look for god in the other person and i take a chance on the other person and the more i do it the more we do it the more the evidence of the goodness and mercy abounds Sound almost sentimental, but it is a perspective. It is an approach. It is a way. It It, it is what grounds my politics and activism as well. Hope that helps.
2: Morning, Rev. Um, I listened to your episode on Psalms, the 23rd Psalms. And, uh the point that the lady was struggling with, that your answer at the end, that um, to talk about futile, but you you, you put a positive tweet, is that, and that the, uh, the alternative is positive, and if we rest on faith, um, we'll have a better outcome. If we focus on faith, we'll have a better outcome. And this faith is seeing God, Turn, turn to people in order to, to get a better vision of who God is. But there, there are times when we do that um, our back against the wall and we, we reach out to persons that we think um, will help us because you said we should look to the universe. Um, and persons are in the universe. And um, we speak to one, speak to two, three, four. And none reach out to us. Right? Or whoever is reaching out to them. Um, then we we, we we start to wonder, you know, um, where is the love? Although you... You you did touch on the good Samaritan um, reaching out, you know, and and sometimes we have to resort back to alternative, not, not not in a bad way, but alternative that will cost us. For argument's sake, um, you, you know, um, you're in a need, and. You reach out to to persons, you know, and none is there to assist you. So yeah, you, you have to go somewhere where um it's gonna cost you, you know, um, more than what you have. Um, for argument's sake, you, have to, you might have to go to a, a courts to to trust something. You know that you have to pay interest and all of that, you know, um. So you reach out to others, and others were, weren't there to help you. Not even a hint. Not even like a make-up, so to speak. How, how, how do you handle that? Manan, thank you for your response. So
0: I, on, during the course of last week, coming to the weekend, I learned about the illness of Eileen Benjamin. And I um, learned that because of COVID, no one who is not an of kin couldn't visit her. But I also picked up from her children who are overseas that no one really has in fact visited her. So I took my chances and I went. I got to see her. They told me she couldn't talk, but she chatted to me completely fine. And I went and went back the following day and then i made her children speak with her and they thanked me profusely and so on but why did i go why did why was i so confident that i could get to see her i, I will, let's take the psalmist The psalmist says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me and eileen is as good a, an example of what it is that i believe in because if you recall when i came to first missionary sister Jenny was a church worker and i knew she was near to retirement and i had eileen a younger woman not as bright not as qualified but with a good heart to assist sister Jenny to um, learn from her and in time to take over from her because i believe that the church is an institution of care and what we must do is build out the, on the philosophy that surely goodness and mercy will follow us. So we think of ways to put ourselves in the other person's position and to help them. So what you describe there is precisely the failing of the church. I don't know if you, you've ever seen a mango tree in an area that is overgrown, Right? so the mango tree has mangoes on it but the mango is full of fly or whatever then you a know, worm and so on and you can't even get it because it bush up for the mango tree to bear properly you have to clear the grass around it you have to give it some air you have to give it some fertilizer and the goodness that god has provided in the na- in nature will bountifully supply all so this is what now the church has lost faith with goodness and kindness and care. So here you are a servant of the Lord, needing a a backup, just a little help. But there is nobody in your congregation or in your network on whom you can rely because they have not developed those skills. And the few that have are absolutely exhausted. So the point of narrative is to continue to talk up this thing of goodness and kindness so that we can construct a community of care around God's people. It is not anything wrong with God's goodness or God's mercy. What is wrong is wrong with God's people. They are they're not happening. They're out to lunch, you know. They're close for business. You know, they are at the close of business, so to speak. And we now need to renew that. Make the church what the church is supposed to be a community of care, blessings.